0: Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. It is Zach, and always with me is. It's Jared. Hey, Jared, how are you doing? I'm a little sad. Why? This is the last episode of the season. It is, but I think it's been a great year.
1: And I'm excited for the next year, which... I am too. I am too. I'm just like, it's. there's a little bit of melancholy with uh, the real... Uh, at ends.
0: Sure. You know? I don't when you' when you wrap something up oh agreed it also for some reason you're making me think of like we're in high school and I'm watching it like a like a like a video presentation <laughs> that's like the four years you're in high school and everyone's like all oh, the memories that's what you're making it feel like which it is to a degree but it's it's just funny cue the vitamin C <laughs> the the old 90s oh, montage I just think of the time of your life song that's just yeah that's yeah the green day song yeah yeah, yeah that's another um, good one but yeah this is a little bit different of an episode just like last week's um, this week we are not covering game but this will be our year in review yes um, the best way to explain this I, I explained to the Jared that I wanted to do kind of like a YouTube rewind of puzzling company so this will be kind of a very conversational episode this will not really be asking a lot of questions or covering any game it will be just a nice back and forth to discuss the year. There's a lot that we really enjoyed, and it, I thought it would just be fun because I think a lot has changed in the year, and we're excited for what's coming next.
1: Yeah, and I think the second we're putting this show in kind of two parts, this one that we're about to start, we're going to be talking about exactly what Zach said, and then we're going to take a little break, come back, and talk about some of the exciting things that we have coming up in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: Jared, this is going to be interesting. Like I said, we don't really have a lot of questions. It's just going to be a nice, like, discussion.
1: Yeah, we don't. Usually we have a very lined out script for what we're about to talk about. We're
0: riding wild today. Well, we have, like, an idea of what we want to talk about. Sure. But, yeah, we don't have it, like, scripted out like we usually do. I guess I'll just start off. It was a great year. We covered a lot of games. We will have a total of, what, 48 episodes for the year? 48 episodes covering, I
1: think, somewhere around, like, 60 to 70 games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Considering that like a year and a half ago, I had played zero (laughs) playing almost 70 in a year is pretty crazy. It's true. I, uh, and it's just
1: interesting to think of what I played before this podcast and then pick it up with this
0: podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been a really cool journey. Yeah. So I guess what would be fun is to start back when we first started and then kind of tell the story of that. And then kind of go through the year. So for people who don't know me and Jared's backstory, we discuss this a lot sometimes on the show. I work for Jared. I do at the escape room. And I've known him for, what, almost six years now? Yeah. yeah. And one day I kind of went to him and I was like, hey, I want to do more with this, you know, with the, with the escape room or kind of just I wanted it to be bigger. Because I've kind of been in a part of my life where I had some stuff kind of set up, but I hadn't really known what I wanted to do more in my future. I kind of was just stuck in a weird place, and I really enjoyed the game stuff, and Jared was like, well, I have an idea. What if we created a board game? Because this was early COVID, This right? was This is very early COVID, yes. And we were like, okay, well, I was like, I don't really know what I want to create, but I was like, I don't know. I'll think about it, and Jared's like, yeah, I want you to wait like a month, and I want you to be like 100% yes or no, and I thought over the month, and I was like, well... Like I said, I had just been stuck at a point, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try something. I was like, it could be a lot of fun. And Jared's been like a mentor to me for many years. So I was like, I don't think he would do me wrong either. So I was like, we know what, we'll do it. Why not? Little did you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So the first game that we ever played was Soup. I cannot tell you how much I loved playing that game. It was was hilarious. We actually just talked to Jen recently, as well as we obviously talked to Angela. Yes. And it's so crazy to really think that Soup was one of the reasons we started all this in terms of anything. But we we were gonna create the board game and then we played soup and soup just re- made us realize like, wow, these games are cool, they're insane. Like the, I don't wanna explain one of the puzzles in case someone's here not played soup, but there's specifically a, a puzzle that involves a fire that I just super enjoyed for the first time. It was my first time seeing that style puzzle and I was like, wow, okay, these could be a blast. And so we were like, well, maybe we shouldn't make a game. What if we were like cheerleaders? He's like, because mm. I think we found some amazing people who create games for one person, for a hundred people, for thousands, and they just deserve recognition. The
1: way I think about it, when I think about it early on is I feel like we were in the same position as a lot of our first time game creators. And I think we found a lot of solidarity and understanding, especially our newer indie creators that we were all getting in this at the same time. Mm. Right. And, uh, when we did soup, I remember thinking like, why would Angela pick up or answer an email back to come on our show? Like puzzling company is brand new. We don't have any listenership. We don't have credibility. Yeah. We don't have any credibility. We're just two passionate people that want to put a quality product out into the stratosphere, Mm -hmm. like I said, like a lot of our game creators, that first month of people that were willing to come on our show and send us their game and give us their time, I'm still blown away by their generosity.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, we've played tons of fabulous games. And now there's not one that I've played that I don't wish I didn't play. You know, like being brutally honest, I love them all. And I, I think it's one of the things that I've learned as we've played more and more is I've learned to appreciate all of them because you just understand how much time and effort and appreciation and generosity and just how friendly that everyone we've met is yes you know there might be a game that's not my favorite and that's fair I, if everyone knows that it's not like it's an unreal thing to be like how dare you not like <laughs> one game over the other? you're not allowed to like any of these games or unlike
1: any of these no, games no but
0: like Playing soup, and then like in our first month, we played Maddox Lost Treasure. We did Scarlet Envelope, Breakout, Breakout, like, and it
1: started spectrumizing the the gaps and the interesting intricacies between all of these different creators mm-hmm. and companies.
0: Yeah, it was just so unique, and I remember meeting all of them. And one of the things that Jared will tell you is we were both very awkward. At first, and specifically recording, nothing is funnier than re-listening to our old episodes because you can tell how (laughs) awkward we were in terms of like trying to figure out our flow, who would talk more. Like one thing, if you don't know, and you'll hear this sometimes on the podcast, Jared is very much the outgoing talks a ton person, not in a bad way. He does it. I, I mean, one of the things I love about Jared is that Jared is someone that can communicate with pretty much everyone and he makes it very easy. While I'm more conser- like conservative, I guess with my reserved, spe- reserved, yeah, yes. I guess I'm more reserved with my speech, and I'm I feel I'm more socially awkward, I guess, than Jared is in terms of like meeting someone the first time, just because I feel like I have to be more comfortable to start really discussing or being more open. But as time has gone on, we've just met more and more people that makes it easier. Like I now, I, what's fun is that a lot of the interviews that we've done lately, I've been a part of. It's even though I'm not as much as Jared is. It's still cool, like realizing that, hey, like I've met some awesome people. We've had some five-hour conversations with creators, like Evan, Amy, and Mark from Trapped Takeout, and doing the Taco Tuesday. That was that was a awesome. We had a that was a long conversation. That was like a four-hour conversation. (laughs) That was like just like let's nerd,
1: like oh, we're all really cool. Let's nerd out for a really long time.
0: Like getting to talk to Anna and Lisa from like Scarlet Book a lot. Angela's great. Like I mean, obviously, there's so many great creators. Ron from Legend Games Maps, that guy, if he doesn't know how much I appreciate him, he should know that. He rocks. It's just so warming to know that that I feel welcomed. It doesn't feel like we're trying to do this thing and it's like hesitant or, you know, it's like a awkward, we're going to have to like break through walls. We do in some ways, like every business, you have obstacles, but it just feels so like for someone who's never done these types of things in the last year to doing a bunch of them and meeting all these great people, I've not met one person who hasn't been inviting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know another way to say it. I just feel really blessed and honored by the lineup of people that, Agreed to come on in year one. Like I, I'm trying to put myself in the position of like, okay, who like, if if I message me like, who are these guys? Like I'm thinking their business things. Like is this really going to benefit the show? And then for a majority of these people to be kind enough to send us their product and goodwill, it it really framed for Zach and I like the quality that we demand from an episode from us. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're going to, in the second part of the show, just the quality of stuff that we want to demand from ourselves moving forward. Yeah. But I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Is, and this is something that I felt a lot and something we touched on a little bit in our last episode when we were talking with Jen is this concept of like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Did you feel that? When we first started, because I did, we had both listened to a lot of podcasts. We felt like we understood like how we wanted to do this. But I, the only class I failed in college was journalism. Wait, really? So, yes. so I felt like a huge fraud when we started all this, even though my intentions were pure. Yeah. Did you feel a lot of that going into this?
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I felt like I didn't belong. It was that thing of even though everyone was very welcoming, it was just like a, I have no experience in this. We met more and more people and I felt like, well, they're just, maybe I don't deserve, you know, like I would question, I'd be like, maybe they're just being like super nice. Maybe I don't realistically deserve this. Like, you know, and especially early on one of the things that I've really improved over the year. And Jared will tell you this to a degree is I've became extremely confident compared to what I used to be in terms of like, I never wanted to talk to any of our creators because I felt nervous all the time. I didn't feel like I deserved talking to him. I felt like I would just be an awkward mess. It, it's something that like self-confidence has been one of my biggest issues in the last like three years. I, I fake it sometimes, but it's it's been really difficult to really go all in sometimes here. It, just because it, it feels like, especially really early on, it was like Jared did all of our social, like, social things. So he would talk to everyone, he would get in contact. I did all of the computer stuff.
1: You figured out a lot of the inner workings of what we needed to have a, like a working podcast.
0: Yeah. But I guess what happened still though, was that I was still in like a comfort zone Mm. and I felt like I didn't ever improve for a long time in terms of like, I got a little bit better at it, but I don't have issues recording episodes anymore. One of the most hilarious things is if you ever, I wish we could find them. Our original raw episodes from episodes like one through eight, Nightmares (laughs) our nightmares <laughs> because it is us stumbling. It's us like repeating it like we couldn't even do the intro. Yes, but now like I love jumping into an episode. Yes, you know even though I I joke in my head that I want to do something funny in the intro like I used to because I used to do more like jokey intros, but it just feels like I belong now. Like I feel less imposter. Mm. Yes, especially when we met. Like I guess a great example would be when we first met. We met the Spiras. Yes, that was one of my first like okay, these people are like bigger in the space, not in terms that they do what we do fully, but they did cover at home games and they had had all these things that we'd read and I'd really like, i looked up to them in terms of their content. Absolutely. They've been doing this for a really long time. And for them to be like, we know we were like, we'll see if we can get them on the show. I think that'd be like really cool to have them talk with box one because we couldn't get Neil Patrick Harris. You know, we tried, (laughs) you know, but we we were like, maybe they'll talk to us. We'll see. We'll get lucky hopefully. And they're like, and it was funny because I think they even said this at first. They wanted to make sure like we were, well, we were going to do our thing, right? Yes. They wanted our credibility being like, oh, they're doing this for a bit. They're not like a one-time episode. Right.
1: That we're doing this with good reasons and that we're putting a quality product. Yeah. There.
0: Yes. But they were super generous and like one of my favorite conversations of all time is that episode. Just discussing box one and then the, the community as a whole in terms of what's coming, what the future looks like, games we're excited about. Yes. And crazy to think of how we've all grown, like how their stuff is going, how their podcast, the escape, or the um, reality escape pod, how that stuff's going for David. Yes. It's just cool.
1: I think also what you're getting at is like, we're not here without the help of people beyond the creators that helped us as well. Damn. Cause one of the big things that I'm thinking about uh, on a number of different levels are people that, gave us critical feedback mm-hmm. or people that gave us opportunities. Yeah. So like I'm thinking of, we had a number of emails starting off just from people that gave us a chance to listen to us to say like, Hey, you guys are doing so great. I'm really enjoying the show. You should think about doing this mm-hmm. or you should think about doing this. W- one of the main ones that I remember is from Victor. Yes. Uh, Victor sent us an email. If you guys don't know Victor, he is one of the owners of Sherlock. And does Meebo Island, if you're familiar with that game, uh, that online game, but he emailed us and he, in the coolest way possible, just empowered us to say like, you guys sound great, but I want to see more confidence. Like you're covering yourself a lot by trying to like say, just say what you need to say. I'm interested. Like you've got me mm-hmm. and th- things like that and encouragements like that. And we had a host of them, people that would say, Hey, I'm listening. What do you think about this game that reached out to us? It, like it emboldened and it empowered us going in and it, and it made us stronger. The other thing is the people who open doors for us. Yeah. I can't, especially as the one who's constantly reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. I'm so blown away that people would just meeting with us for an hour, getting to know us that they'd be like, Oh yeah, I'd love to get you in touch with so-and-so or yeah, I know somebody in that organization here. Here's their email address. You should contact them. You would love like, Cause when you start something like this, or when you start anything, you feel like all you're in a world of closed doors Mm -hmm. that you have to kind of go knocking on and door to door and you don't know who's going to open or who's going to give you the time of day. And we ran into a lot of, you know, doors with nobody behind them or walls that were in place to keep people. But by and large, I'm sitting here at the end of year one and I'm looking at year two and I'm like, we've opened a lot of the doors that I, I was hoped to get into. Yeah. For for the second year, and that doesn't happen without the encouragement. It also doesn't happen. This a lot of this doesn't happen without some. I'm going to call it unknown kindness for our original studio. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs>
0: the LG studio. The,
1: so we started, um, in a, a co-working space mm-hmm. that had a brand new podcasting studio on it. And I don't know how much Zach knew about this, but my story to Zach at the beginning of this is just, just roll with this. Like <laughs> I remember this feeling Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I know the guy who owns this entire building. Uh, he's chill with us being here because we're, kind of messing with the equipment a little bit, and that welcome wore itself out before Zach knew it did, is a good way to say it. Fair, fair, fair story.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was kind of that thing of like, we, yeah, we were there to like test out stuff and kind of, bit, we were allowed to like try it out, and we we kind of stayed our, our welcome a little bit. I tried But it was more of a thing that Jared kept telling me it's okay, and I was like, well, it kind of feels like it's not. <laughs> But it it ended up being pretty funny because eventually they did basically tell us like, yeah, I think your trial session is done. Well, we'd like you to pay the. You got to know that story. So we're mid
1: recording. Oh, geez. And and the owner of this. I mean, he he's a millionaire uh, that owns this place, walks in and it was like, what are you guys doing? And it was like it was one of those like got caught with your hand in the cookie jar type of moments we're doing nothing we're oh oh, yeah we're 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 shooting an episode like i I tried to schmooze it and play oh we're scott we're shooting an episode come on in here man like and he was like and then kind of started digging into the details of like how long have you guys been doing this and we were like uh, maybe like 12, like 12 to 16 weeks we've been Just in here doing two or three and he was he was cool about it but he's like i think it's time you guys start paying for a membership here and we were like i think that's probably fair but even that i count as a kindness i i live on more of a ask for forgiveness rather than permission you don't say <laughs> which is the opposite i think of how Zach fundamentally operates. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, you take some risks sometimes, and e- and even the guy that owned that place was kind enough to not get too mad at us for stretching out our stay
0: at that podcast studio. But we learned a lot from it. Yes. As well as when we eventually created our own, like we have our own setup here in our office. I took a lot of the things that I found very good and implemented them here. Yes. And the things that they didn't do well. So, and I don't mean that against them. It was just that thing of like, it wasn't our equipment, so we could mess with it a little bit, but I was, like, trying to learn how it all worked, but it was fun because it was fun. I'm going to call it theory crafting what I wanted to do mm. with my, like, setup. So, we eventually were able to be, like, Jared was like, okay, Zach, you're more of this. I want you to, like, tell me what we need, and it was fun being like, this is my Christmas. I get to pick <laughs> all the items that I love. Here's a budget. Go. And I was like, okay, well, I want the Roadcraster Pro because it's my baby, <laughs> you know, and I want these mics because they're great, you know, when, if, if you guys should all know this. If puzzling company ever goes through, I take all the equipment just cause I love it. <laughs>
1: yeah. If this ever falls apart, Zach has already claimed, all, I've claimed the all the
0: equipment. Cause it's mine. Um, Jared doesn't even know how to work it. I'm kidding. He does now, but I can mm-hmm. little, I can try to hide it. <laughs> but anyways, no, it, it was still like, that was a lesson alone, but it did open a lot of doors. Like we did a lot of our trying out stuff there. We learned a lot. And then when we, when we were able to come into our own space, we were able to take those experiences and build on them. Yeah. And get more confidence and be able to have our own schedule. We didn't have to like travel like across town to go meet. We just do it in our office space. It, it asked ask for security cards that we weren't necessarily supposed, supposed to, to have. have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want to wonder how serious this got, that will answer it alone. Anyways. <laughs> but no, like the beginning of the year was crazy for me. It felt it felt really weird, like doing all that stuff is funny now, but back then it was like, I don't know, like realistic this actually is now, you know, and I, and I kept trying to be like, I'm going to go all in, but I was hesitant about things and to build into it now and be like, if I would have told my like year ago self, like, Hey, in a year you're going to play like 70 of these games and you're going to meet tons of great creators who are just very nice, you know, and have some of the best months of my life in the last few years. I mean, I would do this all over again. I would take all those awkward sneaking into the, uh, into the podcast space. Sneaking is such a strong phrase. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you want to put it as <laughs> forgiveness.
1: I, again, I use the word stretch. It was a stretch yeah. and and it all, and it all worked out in the oh, end. For sure. But yeah, I, I think to kind of wrap up what we're saying here is to everybody who was a part of the show in small or little ways in Giving or receiving or helping or pointing or directing, thank you. Yeah. We're so excited that we did not make a game. Yeah. And that we got to meet and grow relationships with all of you in hopes of making this more accessible and interesting to the general public. I still hold on to that as our goal is if it's just, you know, puzzly people sitting around talking about puzzling things. That's great. I love it. That deserves its own podcast, but I am determined to get this out to more people just because I love the creators and the creators that much. They're such wonderful people with amazing attitudes and wonderful stories and what they are making is that good that I, I, I feel not a burden, but a responsibility to help
0: get the word out for that. Yeah. It's also a thing of like, as an example, Going into it, I was like, well, we discussed like after a year, if this isn't like what we both thought it would be, or even quote unquote profitable, which we, I'll be brutally honest. It's not profitable (laughs) for us. (laughs) We, this is a, in our free time, we use our own money, you know, but at first I was like, well, after a year, if we don't see anything from it, I'm like, we were discussing like, well, we might just be done. Like if we realistically thought after a year, we weren't going to get what we wanted. And it's hilarious now because I don't know Jared's opinion. But I've told Jared this multiple times and even some of the creators we've had recently. It's like when I started, I was very hesitant and like, I don't know if I'm going to do this after the year. But then now I'm 100% confident I would do this as a hobby, even a, you know if I waste my own money for the next few years because I just love what we do. Yeah. Like it's not like a thing for me anymore that's like, I'm just going to try this for a year. It's clearly like I want to do this no matter if we do it like – as many times as we do now, if we if it became more of a hobby and we both just did it less, but still we able to do it. I just love the creations and like you said the creators it's it's worth every moment of it absolutely
1: i want to i want to transition now to talking a little bit about the games and how we have evolved in thinking about them when we first started and we still hold true to this rubric today we just discuss it in different fashions we had a very rigid system yeah for how we discussed and thought about games and i feel like as time went on those things became internalized Mm -hmm. but do you think that you have changed in regards to how we give feedback about the games or would you go back to games played earlier and maybe rate them higher or lower? How, how have you seen that change over the last year?
0: I think it's changed a lot. I think just knowledge of how like the games work or mechanics or puzzles alone have changed my idea of what a like a what the difference is between a great game and a good game. I think if I can go back in time, I wouldn't say I would change much in terms of like I guess if I went back and only changed rating, it would be fine. But I I love the experiences we had. Like how I how we graded it back then was more rigid. It was very much like this is all we really look for, and we would discuss a little bit if it was different from that. But now I feel like we we talk about everything. I, like it's fun that I used to be more about oh, it had to be specifically this style. I never thought about narrative really early on. It was mostly like, oh, was this puzzle fun? Or, you know, like you're, like, as people know, you're more of, like, the tangibility person of yes. us two. While I'm more, like, puzzle-hunty as well as, like, narrative-based. But, it, you know, like, I was, like, at first, I was like, okay, well, only games, you know, knowing that we played, like, Maddox Lost Treasure, like, examples of first few episodes, Maddox Lost Treasure, A- Soup. ASPMC. ASPMC, those... I had kind of figured out what those either had in common or not in terms of like what I thought was good or bad at the time, you know, or room for improvement, I should put it as. But now I look back at them and I'm like, okay, well, there were some things I liked about those or some things that if I went back now, I would maybe critique them like in a little bit different way or I'd have a better way of explaining it. Because I think back then I didn't know how to explain how I felt yes. about certain things or like knew the right terminology or had enough experience of playing other games to be like, oh, well, I get like what... Let's say what Breakout did, you know, and I play another version of Breakout or I play another game that has a similar format, right? Quote unquote. You play that and you're like, oh, okay. That's how I explain how I'd want that potentially improved. And it did improve, you know. And for some of them, like being able to look into the future now and be like, or I, you know, to now instead of, you know, go back to the past is like it's also crazy seeing the improvements that have happened. But then our philosophy, it's like, I think a lot more now about. Like the puzzles while well, before I'd never, that was kind of like your thing. Yeah. You were the one telling me like, this was a good puzzle and a bad puzzle. And I'm like, I don't really know the difference. I just like, <laughs> I didn't enjoy that one. I guess is how I'd put it. Yeah. Or it was harder for me to get along. Like, you knew that
1: something was off with it. You just didn't have the, the words to
0: come forward. Now. And I feel like I understand it way more or I get what, or after meeting so many creators, I feel like too. I have more of an understanding of what they're trying to accomplish. Yes, and that's a really cool feeling because I think at first it's like, especially with anything, it's like you look at a product and you're like, oh, like I don't get this. So you almost like give it like a like a room for improvement view immediately. Yes, you know. But then we talk to the creators and they kind of explain the process, or I get to just discuss. Them. I'm like, oh, I get why they did this. Absolutely, and it's so cool. Even if it's something that at the end of the day doesn't end up being something that I don't enjoy the most, it's so. Cool. That's how I'll put it. It's just fascinating the the things that people do and why they do it. I agree. the The big walkaways that I had,
1: I, I was thinking about this, and I I think there's three that I really thought about. One of them is just the spectrumization of these games. Mm. For the longest time, I feel like we've and multiple people in the community have tried to land on a term to encompass these type of games. It's an escape room in a box. It's a puzzle tale. It's a at home tabletop experience. You just can't. Yeah. It, It. I just don't think it exists. And that's hard because, you know, something, a term like escape room just so embodies it. But even that now can mean so many different things, mm-hmm. but I just have realized how much room and freedom and, creativity opportunity wise there is for these people. And you can see it up on our wall. Like there are some that are formatted the same, but even within the format, there's just a range of different ways that different creators have tackled the game. Yeah. And that's so cool because I love seeing the diversity. I love it. I love seeing diversity. It's so cool to me that in some, a similar field, you can still see all of the colors and I love that so much.
0: I felt that a lot when we we went to that phase of like the I'm gonna call them like the murder mystery yes. style games, like playing Detective Society and Cold Case Crackers, a killing, and, affair. A killing Affair, Killing yeah. Affair, all of those, you know, and, and more. It was like Scarlet Envelope's version when they did like I think it's like the fourth episode. Yeah. But like it's crazy that all of them are different. Like there's elements that are the same to a degree, right. like, in terms of that it's a murder mystery. So you're like having the, you know, you have to figure out who did it part of the game, but they all had different elements. They play differently. They have a different solution system. You know, it felt cool. Like I say cool. It's just like, <laughs> it's so. It's intriguing it's to all, see. It's Like I get awestruck when I look at the board and they're all different. Like there's not a game up here that looks exactly the same or plays the same or has the same intent. You know, you can just tell that every person had their own love and put into it. Like, I look at the board and I see, you know, I see witchery Spell. You know, I see Soup. I see Enigma Fellowships games. You know, there's like the Hinks stuff, you know, like a Hinks's Elevator. It, it's just...
1: It's just a variety, man. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, But also, beautiful it's a thing
0: that when we first started playing, you know, I thought everything would be like Unlock, Exit, you know, or like Soup specifically. Because Soup was like one of the first things I ever played. But then as time has gone on, I'm still amazed by the different formats. Like you were saying, there's no, there's no one format. It's not like all at home puzzle games are the same. They are all different. You know, there, some of them have the same packaging idea, like it's a box and you have things in it. I'm going to say an example of games and they're all going to be very different. Vandermist dossier. There is light in the mist. If you ever thought that you would get me in an emotional field by playing with tarot cards, I would say BS. But it did, you know, and I played witchery spell and you play soup and you play, you know, Detective society, a killing affair, um, escape through the cursed dollhouse. It's just insane. Yeah. It, it, it really is cool to see box one box. Think of how just box one played out is also
1: crazy. I know. And that was a big highlight for a lot of people in, in the year, like the risks and format, like you just see so many different things up here that are encouraging to you as well. Yeah. Cryptogram puzzle post. There's so many games on our wall. Yeah. It's insane. You, escape lot the of crates. The, a lot of the escape rooms that came out without home stuff. I'm looking at like space core yep. or if you're looking at like floor 13 or lost temple, Oh, lost temple. That's, the, a, the that's mes- another early game. The messenger Ooh. is another game created by primarily an escape room company. Um, and we have more of that coming out in the new year. All of the takeout stuff by yep. trapped, like you just see so many different people in adjacent spaces doing that. And that was, that was my second big takeaway is just, just the joy from the adjacent spaces. Now, yeah. whether that was David Kwong in the magic community yeah. or some of our bigger boxed names, our friends at Thames and cosmos um, who are, you know, they primarily deal in exit or adventure games, but they have so many other games talking with Amy and Mark and their love of board games and how that's, they got their start in something like that. Just uh, the escape room where we've mentioned that already, but there's just so many people that are all hovering around the same thing. And you can kind of see the roots and the vines of the tree whirling and moving and finding root and then finding their fruit in different places. It's just so unique. The tapestry that is woven by all of these games and it's not just here. It's not just in the podcast that we're covering in the world that we covered. That's just, it's part of bigger worlds, growing worlds, diversifying worlds. It's so cool and interesting to dig into it every single week. And personally, this was, I've talked to you a lot about this, Zach, but one of the biggest takeaways I had as a creator at the escape rooms is I think I've fundamentally had this question in my head for so long and it got answered. It's, what belongs in an escape room and what doesn't mm. in terms of type or format of puzzle. Yeah, And I feel like I got so many questions answered by this world that doesn't necessarily run on a timer that has room for all of these puzzles that I love. But then I realized, Oh, like for so long and in so many experiences I've been trying to put at home puzzle games in an escape room, whereas I feel like escape rooms need more tangibility, more size and grandeur and exploration. And you still have some of that in at home, but I feel like I've been in a masterclass by creators who are teaching me. This is what works at home. This is what works better in escape room. And I've been slowly working that out in my head to where I feel like when we start making new games in 2022, that I will be a better creator because of the people that I've gotten to know and work with in the home space. Mm -hmm. It has fundamentally changed my view of what belongs and what maybe even belongs is a strong one. What works better in an escape room? I think a lot of things can work in an escape room, but what is that higher, better, more um, interactive fun thing that we're trying to achieve as escape room creators. Mm -hmm. Zach, last thing I want to talk about in this section is, as you look back, we've already thrown out a lot of games, but what stood out for you and I this year in terms of the games that we played? And I want to be very careful. I'm not asking you for like your top five, top ten list. I don't really want to do that or feel like we need to do oh, that. Oh, I agree.
0: I don't. But I'm not what a big were fan of that stuff. what
1: were some of the moments, I guess, that are that are really memorable to you this year? that stood out to you in terms of a creator that we met or a game that we played? Lay that on me. What do you, what, what stands out to you?
0: There's a lot. That's not a very easy question because there's a lot I could take away from every game we played. I would say, I'll just go through a list of things that immediately jumped in my head. So one of the first was the wish you were here series. That was a series that I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy or really get, you know, when we first got it. But when we went into it, and played it. I found that that was my cup of tea. I balled out, as they say, the, t- on- <laughs> the tougher puzzle hunting puzzles. I did. It was. It was just one of those things that I had felt like when we played a lot of games that Jared and I like we did well together. But I felt like sometimes Jared did more of it, and I kind of felt like I was just there helping to a degree. You know, and Jared was the main character, <laughs> but when we played specifically, "Wish You Were Here," I was the main <laughs> character. And, uh, and, you know, Jerry was working on something. I was like, okay, I solved all these, you know, and now I'm going to help him with this. And it, but it felt so good, not in terms of it's like a flex at everyone that I just did really well. This whole podcast has been you flexing. Flexing. Correct. (laughs) No, but, but it was just, it was really welcoming. It was just one of those things that I finally felt like I found something that I really like, you know, or, I mean, I liked a lot of the games, but that was specifically something that like really was my cup of tea in terms of puzzle style. Yes. It just all clicked very well. You know when we played Witchery Spell, I that was one of the first like big games in terms of every element, like the website and having like the video elements and stuff that I remember having a lot of fun. And there's uh, our process at the end; they have to create something, and it was kind of funny like making it. I think we had a lot of fun doing that. Crew versus crew, again another flex. Okay, I didn't want to really talk about the flex part of me winning. I mean, I did, but I wanted to be more like that was a one of my favorite memories just because of how hilarious it was that you and me were just competing. I just remember us staring at each other trying to solve puzzles and we would just laugh. Or when we would guess on certain puzzles, you know, or if we were just trying to beat each other. It was just a fun competition. Like at every moment, it was just hilarious, even if I got serious at a few points. <laughs> the competition went too far. No, it never did. And when we played the Enigma Fellowship games, those were a lot of fun. I remember having like looking at the photos and having a really good time with those. There's just so many games. I remember playing uh, a killing affair. A killing fair was hilarious because we played through the whole first season or like the series. And I remember my favorite part of it was that we would try to figure out who did it. So we'd have a list and we'd keep like every episode would be like, Oh, I think it's this person. And we, you know, we, you know, eventually like one person get tracked off. Cause you'd be able to like prove they were innocent, but it was just hilarious being like, Jared and I being like, Oh, it's definitely this person. And we're like, you know, but then part of me is like, no, it's definitely gonna be her or this guy or, you know, or him. And every time we kept doing it, it was just funnier. Like every time we were like, dang it, it's not them. Like it clearly is supposed to be them. It looks like they're pointing to him. You know, it's all like a scapegoat for this person. Yeah. And like murders my mail. That was a very interesting format that I was not prepared for in terms of Jared explained it to me. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't think I'm going to, okay. I'm going to say how I truly felt when we got it. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this format. I don't like waiting, but it it ended up being really fun. And I really enjoyed the process of it and trying to gather the information. And it was kind of funny being like, okay, do we send, you know, Watson to this location or do we send the, the maid, do we send her to the, like the club and talk to this person? You know, it was just funny being like trying to put these people in scenarios and be like, do we send this, you know, correspondent here? or Do we just send, you know, Watson this place and see how he would respond to that person. And it was fun also doing the element of that game where you're trying to do it in, like, the least amount of moves. Which I think we ended up doing it in a pretty good amount of moves. We didn't... I think we only did, like... Yeah, I'm trying to remember back to that. I think we scored, like, an 80 on... T- I forget how the, the second part of it worked. I think we got most questions correct, because there's, like, a quiz yes, at the end to prove yes. that you, like, knew we all not di- doing. We didn't
1: get all, of like, the side quests is what but I remember. we But
0: we got a good bit of them. And we'd completed, in like, I think six or seven moves. We'd yes. done it, like, pretty well. We were surprised by that, actually.
1: The the things that stood out to me were when I got to see people in their element. Yeah. So what I'm thinking of is, like, I'm looking at Jack Fellow's artwork on oh, the wall yeah. right now from Cryptogram, and it's just like, it, it kind of gives me chills just looking at the, the images. Or when I see a dark part game, and I can... Feel and sense the level of intentionality and imagination, both in format and tangible items from when we play something like Witchery Spell. I'm looking at games like Clockwinder and Space Core, who yep. led in humor and really delivered great games, but made us laugh along the way. And that was a lot of fun. I'm looking at games like conundrum box and hinks that are just like puzzle masking wonders. Yeah. And and then I'm thinking about all of the wondrous narratives that we got to dive into, especially ones that went long form like I'm looking at The Messenger, I'm looking at Runes of Odin, these games that really dug into a like
0: a more richer, deeper reading experience you've you've missed out on a few already how dare you we're gonna name everyone on the list i on know wall, it, it just feels like that how dare you forget about my favorite game one of my favorite games of all time which is root of all evil but we haven't had it on the show yet agreed which that's fun because <laughs> that's coming soon that is coming soon but, but, but that's like a that was an awesome narrative experience you know there's so many good games you know we looked through all of them like you said with like jack fallow's art like seeing that on the tarot cards and working yes um, those were really cool and it's just crazy all the scarlet envelopes like how cool that format works that they change every episode yes when we were like when we first played we thought maybe it'd be the same and every one became different and i think of also just not even like the things in their element but just how we played them like playing the first scarred envelope was hilarious because for us we had no idea how it worked yeah we was we opened up the the scarlet envelope and it was just the, it's the intro one that gives you like a, what's the right word? Wow. But
1: that that's the, that's the, that's what I was talking about earlier in the show. It's like companies like Scarlet Envelope that like we all started at the same time mm-hmm. and we kind of had that opportunity. But yeah, I feel like we could go. We, I mean, we did an episode on every single one of these. Like there are just such strengths and advantages of all of these different, different games out here. And one more time, I'll say it as we transition into the second part of our show. Like, thank you so much creators. Thank you for sending us your games, for trusting us with them, for coming on the show and being so much fun to interview, for chatting beforehand, for chatting afterwards, for developing relationships with people that you didn't know, but now that we would consider friends and colleagues in this space, we can't wait to meet more of you in season two. We can't wait to have so many of you back as well to try out your other creations, We cannot wait to tell the world about the stuff that you guys are doing. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That's going to wrap us up for our first section. We have our second section and our final
0: section coming back right after this break. Hey, Zach. Jared, I'm not falling for this again.
1: Oh, so what? Now you don't trust me?
0: Correct. I don't trust you.
1: Well, then do I
0: have a game for you? What are you talking about?
1: Floor 13 from CU Adventures. It's the story of a company With too much trust.
0: But I don't trust you.
1: Well, Zach, trust me on this. You need to head on over to CUAdventures.com and play Floor 13 or their other game, The Lost Temple, and you will not be disappointed. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. Here in the second part, in our last part of Season 1, we just wanted to tell you about some of the exciting things that we are working on for our second season. We are going to continue in the excellence that we started every week. We're going to still come back and be talking about these things, but there's three things that we really wanted to share with you. And the first one of those has to deal with the type of game that we are going to cover moving forward. So everything in year one, our rule was this. It's got to have some type of analog non-digital element for us. To cover that. Mm. So our world more or less became tabletop. We had some print and plays. ASPMC is the closest thing that I can figure that was like 95% digital. Also right? technically like USB escape, USB escape. Sure. That so was, we, when, we counted the, the USB, the stick USB and the note that you got at the beginning we as can, our <laughs> physical, element. but, but moving into the second year, we are going to start to add a couple of things digital puzzle experiences. We are going to do some avatar-based games. We're also going to do some video games, and I'm really excited about that. However, those will be the minority, and we really want to emphasize that because our home and the people that cared for us in the foundation that we built is in the tabletop, at-home escape, puzzle tale world. So we're excited to branch into some of those other things, but it will not become the majority. We're talking about one episode a month, maybe two at the most, but there's some really great stuff out of there that's in those spaces that we talk about in some of the groups that we're a part of that I felt like we needed to talk about on the podcast as well, because again, they're doing things differently. They're doing things really differently. One of the questions we got a lot during the first year is like, well, why aren't you guys just throwing that in there now? my rationality for that is there was a lot of chaos in that space a lot of the games that we could have reviewed during that time i don't think will exist now some of them have already shut down some of the ones that we would have loved to have done i really wanted to see after 2020 2021 who's still around what's still going to be here so that if somebody three years from now comes back and listening to Puzzle Company, they're not listening to an episode on a game that doesn't exist anymore. And I realize that's an, a risk in the tabletop world as well. But Zach and I had a lot of conversations about like, let's wait, let's stay in the vein that we're in. And even though we could do that, we don't want to. So whenever you run into a digital episode this upcoming year, that covers, again, one of those things, digital puzzle games. Avatar based escape room style games or something like a video game, you'll know it's a little bit different when the episode starts and we'll leave, uh, we'll leave that to the imagination on what that sounds like. Just be prepared for some different things when the episode kicks off. Oh yeah. Zach, anything that you want to add on that front about the new year and the types of games that we're
0: covering? No, I'm um, that's pretty much it. We're very excited. There's a lot of really cool games that even some of the creators in the tabletop space make that are pure digital. So it'll be nice to finally get to cover some of them. Yeah.
1: And we, we've played so many of them, honestly, during the last year in our free time, in yeah. our free time, video games, games that other creators like, Hey, can you try this? And, I think honestly, is it, I always use the phrase FOMO fear of missing out. Yeah. I think I'm just like, I want to get to know more people and get to yeah. exp- explore that as well. Plus, I think a big reason for this is like, we find our roots in this before we were doing escape rooms before Zach and I were doing any of things we were gamers. Yeah. Like that's part of who we are. So to get to bring that into our world, we're excited to get to do that. And we're, we're really pumped about that. Mm-hmm. Zach, I want to throw it to you to talk about the next thing. Number two that we're talking about in our future This is something that I think this has been our most talk internally talked about, debated. Let's do this. No, we're not going to do this. Let's do this. Oh, no, we should do this. Let's do this. And then this is where we've landed Mm -hmm. on something that we want to provide. What what is this thing? What are we going to start doing on a regular basis?
0: Yeah. So we have decided to create essentially a at-home puzzle and mystery almanac uh, this will come out seasonally, I think, is what we've basically decided on for now. It will not be immediate when the new year starts, uh, but it will be coming very soon into the new year. But these will be essentially catalogs of games and companies and basically to kind of giving you a guide to how the games work, what we recommend, the amount of people should play them, give you like an understanding of how the format works. It's just like your guide to understand the game at a whole or the company or to
1: see what's out there. Yes. Right. I feel like so many times people are like trolling the PPGM group just for like recommendations or an all encompassing list of all of the games out here. I want it to be that one day. I don't know that it ever can be right. Cause you may never have enough space or enough time or enough room or stuff is coming out. But our hope is that this becomes a place where, you can go and find a majority of the games that exist in our space and find reviews, not even just from us, but from other credible people that we work with who we consider our colleagues who review games that you can get a link to directly buy that game that can help support us and support the creator of that game. Just a really cool opportunity to have that digitally available and ready to hand out for someone as we hopefully draw more and more people into this community, right? Mm -hmm. The other cool thing that I'll throw out is we are going to use this in a way that I'm so excited about. We at the beginning of the year are going to be using what we have in terms of our resources in the escape room to create a very large puzzling company email list and creators will have the opportunity to get their games out So if you're a creator listening to this, that means you'll have the opportunity to advertise. But also, if you're a creator that hasn't had your game on the show, one, message us. We want you on the show. We may not even be able to fit you on the show, but we want to get you into the almanac. So send us your game. We'll play it. We want as much as we can possibly fit into this so that the world can know about this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. That is the goal with that. I'm super excited about it. We're partnering with some people that you all may be familiar with, but no details on that just yet, but we're working with some cool people inside of our world to help design that and make it look good. Cause one thing that I know is we are not aesthetically gifted people, even though Zach's skills in Canva are growing daily, we're getting better at that.
0: I was a small little Caterpillar and I'm slowly becoming a butterfly when it comes to Canva. When you
1: guys, <laughs> And one day you'll burst forth from your cocoon and you'll be able to own your own uh, digital creation agency.
0: Yeah, good luck with that me. <laughs> I think we'll both stick to the podcast. Yeah, I think I'm good with that. Zach, what's the last thing? We will be doing a Patreon. We have been debating about this a lot. We, had in the last year, kind of been debating on what we wanted to do. We also were trying to figure out what we think would be good. You know, because one of the things is like, yeah, we would love more support. You know, we, we've we been doing this on our own in terms of financially, and we're totally okay with that. But we were like, well, we want to try to do more content And we were excited to put more out. But at first with Patreon, at least, I felt we wanted to give something back to y'all that we thought was worth it. that was a question we asked for months on months on months on months of being like, well, what is the right thing to give to people that support us? right? Cause I don't want to do anything. That you, you get nothing in return. We, I just appreciate how many people even listen to the episodes. Yes. You know, so to even have you guys even support us financially too, or want to help out in that process is amazing. Jared, I want you to talk about the, say the different tiers or the things that would be coming with the Patreon.
1: Absolutely. And I don't want to dig too deep in it. It's going to launch in the new year and we'll be talking about it on future episodes, but we are keeping it very simple. There's going to be three tiers. The lowest tier is really for those of you that are just like, I, I don't have a lot to give, but I I want to support this podcast that I'm listening to every week. And I just want to say thank you. And that'll be the first tier. And we will still be giving back to you as a result of that. The two higher tiers are for people who want to get involved in some other things that we have going on. Again, I don't want to give away too much about this right now, but it's for people who want to interact with us more, who want to be a part of some of the dreams that we have going on and still want to support us financially along the way. And it's, it's hard. Zach and I've, we've had to get past the feeling cringy of asking people to support us. But that's just the nature of the world that we live in, and if we provide something good, we're hopeful that people will want to support us and mm-hmm. and bring them along and have them be a part of our journey as someone who is is backing us and supporting us, and that drives us even harder to make this even more engaging and better than it already is. But there's going to be three tiers. They're not going to be. <laughs> we don't have like the fifty, the hundred, and the hundred fifty. We've really talked about just uh, the addiction that a lot of us have already in buying all of these games and how much that takes. So we're trying to make this as as engaging and as reasonable as possible. But one of the big aspects that we've talked about is we feel like there needs to be more space for the community coming together Mm -hmm. to talk about things, to play things together, to engage in ways for people who are looking for more of that feel. So there's going to be some opportunities with some cool things that we have planned for that. And that, that really wraps up what we want to talk about in the future. I know a lot of that was vague, but got to keep you guessing as we go into 2022 and season two, the big thing we wanted to end on is we've talked about the creators. We've talked about people that have given us feedback. We have talked about pretty much everybody, but our listeners Mm -hmm. up to this point. And we wanted to save our biggest and our best thank you for you. I thought we would get two or three listeners per episode when we started that. I didn't anticipate that we would have hundreds when this all came forward. And I am going to potentially get a little emotional here, Uh, but I'm just really humbled by the... Mm. By the fact that anyone would care to s- spend an hour hour and a half with us on a weekly basis, yeah. and care enough to want to talk to us or listen to us, it is a very uh, humbling thing mm-hmm. to um, create something with someone as great as Zach and then to have people care about it. Yeah. And I uh, we just wanted to end this season with a thank you and with adoration for our listeners. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have given Zach and I such a great gift, um, by supporting us in that way. So we look forward to spending more time with you in 2022, but for Jared and Zach, this has been
0: puzzling company. We'll see you next year. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.